Hello. Welcome to Quadrivia, the podcast that takes you a step beyond trivia and into the minds of the people who crafted. I'm Jason with Liquid Courage Entertainment based out of the Chicago area. And I'm Jeff with RMT Trivia, also based out of the Chicagoland area. And we have some guests with us today, Jason. Do we not? Are they, are they also from the Chicago area? Because I think we've done that episode before. <laughs> um, with us today, we have two trivia titans. We have Lin Yu and Jeffrey Sigurdsson. Hi guys, how are we? Hey, welcome on in. Hey y'all, welcome. Thank, Jump thank in. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, when we put the uh, notes for this episode together, and we'll get into the meat and potatoes of this episode in a moment, there were only two names that came to mind to, to bring in, and unfortunately, neither of them were available. So we have you, Lynn, <laughs> and you, Jeffrey. Oh, I love to be. I love to be second helpings. Uh, second. First worst, second best. <laughs> look, look, you are two of my favorite hosts that are appearing on this episode. I want you to know that. All time. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, for, for Even if we were second in consideration. <laughs> <laughs> so for our listeners who may not necessarily be familiar, and I don't know why they wouldn't be, because honestly, Jeffy, these two guests are, are bigger in the uh, trivia world than we are by a lot. Yes, uh, let's let's take a moment to have them introduce themselves. Uh, Lynn, do you want to take the mic first? Uh, tell us who you are, what you do, and your connections to the trivia world at large. Sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Lynn. I run both a trivia company called Trivia LA, and you can find us on a bunch of platforms at Trivia LA. And like the name implies, we are based out of not Louisiana, but Los Angeles, California. And over the pandemic, we ran a number of online trivia games that were super fun. We've winded down, wound down that operation since things have reopened a bit for us here. But mm -hmm. In this year, I also launched a Substack newsletter called You Oughta Know, because my last name is You, spelled Y-U, so it is a pun on that. And it is a current events newsletter. On Mondays through Thursdays, I email out five current events um, questions. And on Fridays, it is Pop Culture Fridays. So I read The Economist, so you don't have to, basically. <laughs> and I also consume a lot of trash, so you don't have to. <laughs> oh, that sounds amazing. It must, I don't know how you avoid the quote-unquote trash uh, being out there in L.A., because that's that's the epicenter of like celebrity oh, yeah. trivia and whatnot, right? By, yeah, exactly. It's funny because I like love my you know celebrity goss and a lot of people clearly don't care or you know just ignore it so i think this summer i ran a uh i ran an end of summer quiz for you ought to know and one of the questions was who did ben affleck like what 52 year old you know new yorkan did ben affleck finally like get back together with after all mm. these years and I thought everyone was going to know, obviously, it was Jennifer Lopez. But people put Jennifer Aniston, people put Jennifer Garner. Like, I was appalled. Yep, fame, New Yorkian Jennifer Garner. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but it had a 65% get rate. I was like, a oh. third of these people did not know that Jennifer Lopez, who is currently the hottest person in the world, um, is is back with her ex. Now so. I gotta know: Did you spot them the the name Jennifer, or were all your guesses just coincidentally Jennifer's because Ben Affleck <laughs> has a type? <laughs> no, I did. I did not spot the name Jennifer. It just coincidentally people guessed other Jennifers. That's I, I don't know how to respond to that, Ben. Um, expand the the dating pool. I mean, not at the moment because I'm I'm very happy for the 
the tandem of you, but you know, in the future, uh, explore names like Kathleen and Grace. I don't know where I'm going with any of that. How about you, Jeffrey? Do you want to talk, uh, get me off the hot stove here and talk about who you are and uh, what you mean to the trivia world? I, again, feel like people know you way more uh, than they know me, uh, especially on social media. So I'll let you kind of fire off on that. Yeah. So my name is Jeffrey. I am from uh, Lawrenceville, New Jersey. Uh, I My daytime job is I work in forecasting. So data analytics and finance but you know one of my big hobbies is trivia and i've been doing a lot to get involved in various aspects of trivia ever since i uh you know really uh i guess un- unraveled that ha- hobby around like 2012 2013 or so um i think it really took off when i First got exposed to the Trivial Warfare podcasts and the subsequent community that built out of it. Um, you know, even participated in a couple of episodes on that podcast. And, you know, that was a great window to really get to know a lot of people, you know, in the broader community outside of, um, you know, Central New Jersey trivia, which is, uh, you know, the much narrower community that I first, uh, you know, you know, first met up with when I mm. got going. And, uh, you know, um, I'm not known for, you know, writing trivia and all that. I'm actually, yes, you I'm are. More, I'm more of a <laughs> trivia player. I prefer to play trivia than write trivia. I've been asked to write trivia on some occasions, but that's not really you're, my you're, preference. You have your weekly newsletter. <laughs> right, but I'm only reporting the trivia. I don't <laughs> turn them into questions uh i let other folks do that like lynn and and others that um you know may wish to consult um you know my resource to to do that so just to kind of back up there so you know one of the things that i do trivia related on the side is create a weekly current events trivia newsletter um i think i started this like back in 20s 17 or so at, at a very small, um, you know, in a very small form, like a one page, you know, bullet points of current events trivia. Um, you know, there was a time where I kind of fell away because it was just a lot to keep up with. But then I decided to, you know, really come back in full force, start a Patreon, got it back up running around July of 2019. And ever since I've been, um, you know, really chugging at it, you know, trying to do my best to curate all the current events trivia out there into a three-page newsletter now which includes pictures as well as facts and yeah that's <laughs> uh, that's what i've been doing and it's uh, it's a weekly grind to, to really put those things together as i've noticed but it's also a lot of fun it's a great way to learn uh trivia in the process and i'm sure lynn can also attest to it it, it really helps in you know retaining all that you know, recent, uh, you know, information and uh, nuggets and facts that are, you know, really, uh, you know, developing in real time. <laughs> mm. Speaking yeah, of, as a, uh, uh, oh, go ahead, Jeffy. I, I was going to say, uh, speaking of nuggets and facts, uh, anybody that already knows Jeffrey uh, via Facebook and stuff like that, I am always astounded by your trivia notebook posts where you just <laughs> mm-hmm. post a picture of your trivia notebook and it is just wall to wall, literally wall-to-wall facts you cram as much information as you possibly can on those pages and i've always wanted to bug you about it and just say 
where I'm assuming that the sources for all of that just comes from everything that you experience in your everyday life, because it seems like they're very varied and from a bunch of different places. Uh, but I wanted to know where you get those trivia facts and then how you take those and put them into what I can only assume is some larger trivia database. I, I actually have a theory on this before Jeffrey uh, answers that. And I want to know Go how close it. I am to the mark. And the theory is Jeffrey Segurton plays 503,000 trivia games a week. <laughs> and I assume that he's just notebooking the answers he got wrong so that he never gets them wrong again. I, I, I think you're pretty, you know, pretty close, if not spot on. Like it, this whole thing started with me not wanting to get the same questions wrong over and over again. So I so it started for me just jotting it down, not in a notebook, but on a, you know, like a notes app on my phone. And I felt like that wasn't quite enough because um, I, I actually felt like writing it down, having something that I can carry with me where I can kind of, um, you know, look at it every now and then and, you know, while killing time, you know, was much more useful and more effective. So that, that, that's what it evolved into is, um, you know, it started with, um, you know, jotting down facts that I've gotten wrong, you know, in a trivia game or, or, or just me trying to recall something that I, I struggled to, uh, you know, recall at that moment. And then just layering it with um, maybe other facts that, you know, I might have gotten right, but, you know, taking a deeper dive into some of those branches of knowledge to maybe unpack something interesting or also worth knowing that's related to that. So it really became this hodgepodge of, of different things across, you know, various disciplines and all that. Um, Mason, it, where you were wrong, actually, is that <laughs> Securitan plays 504,000 trivia <laughs> games every week. Well, I know, as, as the pandemic is kind of shifting, the online options are, are running fewer. So, you know, he's got to pare back a bit. I get it. Yeah, yeah. You know, trivial cross-country road trips and, and, and all the things that make a Jeffrey Seguritan a Jeffrey Seguritan. It it's a delight to have uh, you and, and you, Lynn, uh, on thank this episode. You. Thank you so much yeah. for joining us. It's been can fun. I Should we wrap it up? One thing about, uh, <laughs> what, can I say one more thing about Sigurtan is he also does this uh, trivia Instagram, you know, facts as he travels. And the other week we were discussing, a couple friends and I were discussing like who in the trivia community could be considered like an influencer, like a trivia influencer. And we came to the conclusion it is 1000% Jeffrey Sigurtan and his, <laughs> and his uh, trivia travels. So there you go. I would tend to agree with that. If there were a Mount Rushmore of of influencers in the trivia space, I would have to put Jeffrey's beautiful face on top of one of those heads. <laughs> no, I really enjoy doing it. And again, it's it's another way to like remember and kind of memorialize some of the cool things I check out when I travel, right? Like, you know, um, it's one thing just to, you know, be present and see it. And it's another thing to kind of, you know, just really process the moment and try to capture all the cool things about, um, you know, what you're checking out and visiting. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, with that and your uh, credentials kind of out of the way, should we jump into the meat and bones of this episode, which I think our listeners, uh, knowing that Lynn and Jeffrey were hand selected for this episode, can kind of put together is all about current events, uh, current events, writing, current events trivia, uh, do's and don'ts, uh, best practices, et cetera, et cetera. So I suppose I'll bring us on in uh, and ask, you know, I, I think this roundtable is going to lean heavily on uh, Lynn and Jeffrey because 
Jeffrey, because uh, I'll make the concession here. Uh, I really don't do a lot of current events questions in my uh, in my pub games. And there is a reason for it. And it's a reason I've brought up on this show before. But just to catch you guys up, I have written questions on a Wednesday afternoon where the answer changed by Wednesday night. And I looked like a <laughs> damned fool. <laughs> Classic. Yes. Uh, and there so so much uh, nitpicky stuff has has happened in the way in which I've written questions because you know the news is ever evolving it's changing if I write a question about you know a, a number of people who are rescued from a thing and then you know three hours later four more are rescued I'm I'm in trouble yeah uh, if you write so, a question about a Jeopardy host you never know right exactly. <laughs> I had a, a situation um, I, I dipped my toe back in because I will do it from time to time. I had a situation a couple weeks ago uh, that had to do with the OnlyFans situation uh, mm -hmm. and them, you know, talking about how they were going to uh, restrict like sexually explicit content on their site, et cetera, et cetera. So I wrote that into a question um, and I asked it at my Monday night show. And by Wednesday night, I had to completely yeah. rewrite the question because that's when oh, uh, they made the, <laughs> the press release yeah. to, to kind of flip flop. And uh, for what it's worth, good for the people on OnlyFans. They need a place. And I'm, I'm here for that. This isn't me trying to, yeah. to advocate for anything either way. But damn it, I had to rewrite the question. And that's what reminded <laughs> me uh, why I don't write current events questions that often anymore. So let me ask. Uh, yeah. Uh, let me ask Lynn and Jeffrey here to kind of take lead on this roundtable. Uh, I'll present you uh, a quick topic here. What what makes a good question in the current events sphere uh, to you guys? We'll start with that. Um, I think usually it's more fun if it, it's something you can puzzle through and connects to something perhaps in the past. I also, where I'm coming from in terms of current events and the newsletter I run is Americans can definitely tend to be very solipsistic in our media consumption, and we tend to only pay attention to things here. Um, and, and then you get a lot of rhetoric in which people say like, oh God, like America is like failing state, like it's the end of the world, things are so bad here, like democracy has never been more threatened. Um, and then and then the, the reason why I run this newsletter is like, actually, uh, you know, have you seen what's going down in Haiti? Um, have you seen what's happening in Lebanon? Yeah. Like it's, it, it, it's, I, I, the reason I paid attention to current events is more to offer a global perspective and to remind us that shit really isn't that bad here. Oh, can I cuss on this podcast? Yeah, um, we encourage uh, it heartily. Oh, yes. yes. You, know, <laughs> you yeah. can. Uh, shit, 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 you know, like, yes, we should be concerned, obviously, but um, it's, it's not as bad when we put ourselves in a global perspective and we are not dealing with the assassination of a president alongside an earthquake, alongside a hurricane mm -hmm. within the space of a month, you know. Uh, but more to your point as to what makes a good current events question, I will throw out an example um, that I, I just fished out from a current events quiz I ran last year. If you recall, there was a Democratic primary on the beginning of 2020 i really um, tried to blank that out of memory but um, yeah, i'll accept your premise i vaguely but, recall yes. that happening so in february 2020 there were 11 democratic party presidential candidates that were in the running if you take the first name of one of those candidates and combined it with the last name of another candidate you would get the protagonist of a novel originally published in 1813 name that novel so 
this question kind of combines a lot. I mean, it, it was a lot easier then than it is now because it's like, who the fuck was running for right. <laughs> president, yeah. you know, in February 2020. But it, it both combines your knowledge of things going on now and also with something like literature from the 19th century. Good old Bernie Buttigieg in that 1813 novel, right? I was, I was just about to <laughs> yeah. say the 1813 novel about uh, knitted woolen mittens, Bernie Sanders. That's just, it's just both his names. <laughs> yeah, um, no, answer... that question would have played a lot better uh, then than it's currently yeah, playing now like... because there's that yeah, recall no, it's, it's hard. It's, it's um, uh, Seguritan, do you have a guess? I'm thinking right now, like, yeah, just trying to think of the the list of candidates and i don't have one immediately so i don't want to protract this so so but it was elizabeth warren and michael bennett and oh, elizabeth bennett oh, is the protagonist awesome. of pride and prejudice yes i completely forgot about bennett oh yeah yeah as a completely forgettable person and see you i know, was thinking it might hinge on elizabeth March. warren but I was using the last name. I'm like, what What 19th century novel would have had a Warren at the end and just went the opposite direction on it? Uh, I'm, trying, yeah. I'm, I'm shipping now Bernie Sanders and Pete in Pride and Prejudice, and it's not going anywhere near as well as one would think. I mean, I'm not not here for it, but uh, you know what I mean? Uh, Jeffrey, any uh, additional thoughts on what makes a good quality current events question to you? Well, one of the things I love about current events is that it it basically um, shifts away from the canon of trivia. And I think good current events questions are also ones where are explicit changes in the canon, things like, you know, presidents, they, they change over time. Um, you know, winners of, um, you know, any of the sports league's titles, you know, th those are changes that were, you know, people might have once known before and, you know, maybe it's, you know, different now because, you know, a team has now achieved this record and so forth. Um, I think it, it really speaks to kind of the evolution of of knowledge. And uh, so, so, so not just kind of extending the canon, but, you know, as Lynn had alluded to, it's also an expansion of the canon laterally, right? Because not just focus on, you know, I feel like a lot of the canon is really you know, Western focused and you, know, yeah. you can almost argue, you know, male interests focus. And I think, you know, with a lot of the current events is really paying some attention to things that are outside of that, you know, things like, uh, you know, you know, video games, LGBTQIA interests, um, you know, Cottage are very core, gay now. Like we love it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I think that's a really cool development in trivia. I know we're not all the way there in, you know, shifting kind of the perspectives in the trivia world, but I think um, some progress is uh, being made. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of that progress has to do with people in the trivia community being vocal about what yeah. they want representational wise. I know it's something as as a an old-ish, white-ish, guy-ish person in the space. I've, uh, I've, I've been aware of the rumblings and, and listening to that and trying to put active effort into broadening what I write about. And current events is a way that you can absolutely do that. As Lynn alluded to, uh, world, world politics um, gets, gets you right there, uh, talking about, um, you know, exp not, not so much expansions, but um, like accolades in, in the arts and entertainment. Uh, we're seeing a lot of firsts in terms of like demographic stuff going on yeah. you know the first uh you know uh black so-and-so to win x award things like that and that's a way to kind of bring that 
zeitgeisty stuff into a game that you're writing so it's not just talking about uh you know a whole bunch of white presents and then one that wasn't yeah. and that was a thing <laughs> yeah like yeah. the the oscars like the last couple of years um got way into uh asian directors with uh bong joon ho and then the lady who div- uh directed nomadland which oh, and there was also yes. the isaac chung of minari but i don't know if he got yeah. it or not yeah. but yes minari was nominated for yeah, uh, best and, picture yeah and she was um i'm trying to remember the uh uh the superlatives of of her win because it was uh first first southeast asian director Oh, she's not southeast asian she's chinese um, she, but it was oh, yeah it was like first like asian woman to you know yeah win, it was like, like four oscar yeah like yeah, all, this, yeah, it all took these like four different yeah. boxes too and yeah. so oh, I'm, when, I'm just absolutely here to listen to jeffy try to jeffy explain <laughs> um asian hollywood <laughs> oh, to win no. you this is going no. great i'm not a, i'm not trying to jeffy explain it i'm trying to dig that information out of my brain because the entire last year is just crammed it full of cotton and i have no idea what's going on anymore um but anyway that the i i talked about that so i could talk about my take on current events which is close to jason's when I was actively writing games, I stayed slightly away from current events questions, and I would only use them if they worked as a functional in to another type of question. So the way that you did with the two uh, primary candidates, first and last names, were about an 1813 novel, where the question, you need to know both halves, I would use it as a stepping stone. Hey, this just happened what thing happened right before it or mm-hmm. you know when when was this included like if somebody just won a gold medal at the olympics when was this first introduced at the olympics or something to that effect where it would be here's a current event as a dish on which i will serve you a totally different question just as kind of like the table dressing and i did that for two reasons one um i could reuse the second half of the question later um, so I didn't have to write something else later because current event questions have. They have a shelf life. Uh, they, yeah, they they don't always because you could always maybe reword them, especially if it's a big enough thing like an election or some big crazy event that happened or something like that. Um, but, you know, I tried to write questions uh, so that they were forward forwardly useful to me. Uh, and so when I would write current events questions, I used to do like an in the news category. And I realized that that made my job infinitely harder because I had to write extra stuff every week from specifically what was going on. I used to just bite questions from wait, wait, don't tell me from the from the speed round at the end (laughs) and be like, oh, I could write a question about that. Um, But do you do you guys find that you use since you guys both focus heavily on current events i'm assuming that you don't lean into the use it as table dressing for another type of question correct you guys stick to just basically current events well yeah so for the content that i'm producing for you ought to know it is strictly current events but i definitely do lean towards certain types of stories more than others. I'm always interested in what's going on in international politics, what's going on in terms of 
you know, environmental news, um, business news as well. I tend to steer away from asking about who's getting canceled or, you know, who's, what has gone down in that realm, because I figure people are going to get that anyway, and they don't necessarily need to get it from me. Um, and they don't need to necessarily see that from me. They'll see it all over Twitter themselves. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I, I mean, like a lot of the the international stuff can be a downer, but I think is a downer in like an important way. And that's like, oh, you know, be aware that there's been a giant oil spill off the coast of Sri Lanka. Like this is yeah. awful, you know, versus, oh yeah, this person who was once a beloved whatever is also now racist. Um, and, and people can, (laughs) people can figure that out for themselves. And I I don't need to be a downer in that, in that sense. Yeah. Nothing more exciting. Uh, and I'm using exciting in huge scare quotes here, uh, than writing a question about somebody that I, I like their art. I like their, their work, their contribution to society, what have it. Uh, and then, you know, I present on my Twitch game and like four or five people just start booing the concept of the person because I didn't catch what happened on Twitter a week ago. And all of a sudden person is persona non grata and i that's that's basically the sound effect my brain makes when i try really hard and then it doesn't land there's a there's a game that me and my friend today joke about now on twitter every time you see it's like the new mary fucker kill like Mm -hmm. every time you see name trending on twitter it's dead racist or me too you know one of the three (laughs) like what, what happened to this person <laughs> one of those is more more you know like if you're dead that's like oh that's sad and then the other two are just like oh you kind of wish it was the first thing yeah yeah you kind of just wish like oh they passed that's sad <laughs> so i wonder this looking at like the geography of this episode jeff and i are are both in the midwest uh jeffrey you're out on the east coast and lynn you're yep. out on the west and i wonder if as far as getting into international current events content is concerned if it's either easier or if it's more in the sphere having you guys coastally in your areas um does it make more sense to touch that stuff than it necessarily does here in the quote-unquote heartland I, i i think i'm asking a good question in a bad way right now if that makes sense um and and really because they're closer to other people than us the the crux of what i'm trying to say (laughs) is if if I presented, I, Lynn, I've seen you ought to know over the last several months. And if I presented some of those questions in my live trivia games here in like the Chicago suburbs, I, the head scratching and the glassy eyes I would get on several of them uh, would lead me to believe this isn't the thing I'm being paid uh, to do. So I wonder if that environment is different uh, out in L.A. and in uh, Jersey or if I'm just being sheltered. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Jeffrey. No, I, I mean, I, I don't think it, there's a geographic thing. I, I think it's really the audience, right? <laughs> there's an audience that's, uh, you know, your casual trivia players in your bar crowd. And I, I think, you know, as a trivia writer, you may have a good sense as to kind of what, you know, what is in, you know, kind of down the lane and in, in the in the headspace of your audience. I mean, of course, you kind of want to expand the canon, but not so much that you uh you know that you know you kind of you know go right over their heads i i think that's kind of part of you know writing trivia is, is catering to you know what you know about your audience um i mean i find that it, you know as we you know as we've participated in you know some of these more um national or nationally oriented and even internationally oriented trivia games and settings i think 
some of those crowds do find the international stuff, you know, just as interesting, if not more interesting than, you know, than what you would maybe write for um, in a local setting. So I think it's more that than, you know, us being close to the coast or whatever. <laughs> yes, it's, I don't think it's the, the coastal elite problem because uh, <laughs> we're definitely in L.A., you know. I, I've gotten complaints before from audiences of, oh, why isn't your content more American? But, you know, I it's part of, like, my agenda, so to speak, to <laughs> make people a little more aware of things happening outside of our country and you know we're not the only country in the world that needs right. to be paid attention to or cared about but yeah like Siguritan said it absolutely depends on who your audience is targeting towards and when I write you out of no that's why I have it divided into one accessible two intermediate two difficult questions because the two difficult questions is usually where I stick like what African country just had a coup you know and I don't expect most yeah. people to know that um, uh, and that's where you learn booty. something <laughs> standing standing rule in my life and in my games is when in doubt just go Djibouti when in, and when in doubt pick a yeah pick Djibouti um, no I was gonna say you know that might be a, 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 a true answer in the future who knows <laughs> oh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah with Jason's possible. luck with Jason's luck it absolutely will be um but it's it's funny that you said agenda because that's that's kind of another topic and I know that there's a couple of different people uh, I have done exactly this thing where I'll see something happen uh, in kind of current events, and that will spur me to write something that is less of a question because I don't know if people will get it right and more of a I want people to know that this just happened type of thing. Um, so when you guys are going through your current event stuff and uh, Jeffrey, when you're doing yours, they're mostly statements, right? You don't write. Are they questions yeah. or it's just it's this happened this week, right? Yeah, just so that, trying to nail down the basic facts as, yeah. you know, as much as I can. I mean, I can't. It's hard to go into too much detail in the format that I have it because yeah. I try to squeeze in a lot of topics in there. But there was uh, one specific, ugh, excuse me, one specific example that I could think of from a couple of years ago when we got the first uh, picture of quote unquote picture of a black hole that was actually assembled over many, many months from, I don't know how many petabytes of data. Um, but the person that was behind that was a female astronomer. And there was that famous picture of her, like covering her face, like when yes, she got the final yeah. result. Mm -hmm. I, I specifically asked that question uh, about uh, who is this? And I, and sadly, I don't remember her name. I should have been looking that up when I was telling the story. But I wanted people to know that it was a female astronomer that did this tremendously cool breakthrough thing for science that might have, you know, it, it people might have seen the picture or they may have seen the picture of her covering her mouth. But I wanted people to connect the two things that we just got to see a, the first picture of a black hole because of this woman's very hard work. And I didn't expect people to know her name, but I wanted people to learn her name. Mm -hmm. Um and yeah, there's and there's definitely ways to write questions to make them accessible where you can yeah. essentially introduce kind of the reverse where it's like this person, you know, and like introduce that name is, you know, recently discovered what phenomenon is the yeah. first time that it was photographed. So, yeah, I mean, you there are absolutely ways to yeah, you make can certainly the agenda do that. accessible. 
kind of reverse the ask. Uh, my concern that I would bring up is that if it's in the text of a question, it's less memorable after the fact. If you're going to use the question to kind of educate your audience, um, you've got to find that balance between you know making sure it's accessible in terms of points for the game and everybody you know getting that good vibe, I got it right kind of thing, uh, as to what their takeaway is going to be from that question. So um, I guess in a, a broader space, how, how important in the context of current events writing, is it to you that you're either educating your audience versus kind of testing your audience's knowledge or uh, at what point in the middle of that spectrum do you think is the sweet spot? I mean, I think as, you know, when we talk about this industry, we do talk about like, we're putting on a show. It's not just a game for me at least. Um, and I'm sure for you, Jason and, and Jeffy as well. Uh, so it does need to be entertaining and does need to be fun and people need to walk. No one has ever walked away from a trivia game feeling, oh my God, I got too many things correct. I'm so upset. You know, like the more <laughs> points people gain, the better. Uh, so there's definitely a balance to strike between making sure people leave, having had a good time, feeling like they earned those points, uh, while also hopefully there are one or two things that they'll remember. Um, that being said, people are also drinking copious amounts of alcohol at a pub or bar. So <laughs> perhaps, you know, all of our efforts at education are futile. <laughs> uh, speaking of education, I want to make sure that I say her name. It is Katie Bowman was that scientist that took the picture. Yep, of the That's right. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. We were going to get angry emails if you didn't drop that in. So I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just to add to that, you can also frame your trivia questions or your trivia rounds to maybe push them in the right direction, right? Um, you know, maybe yeah. a mystery theme will help someone get, you know, maybe a name that you want them to pull, but, you know, they yeah. need that extra nudge to get there. Or, or maybe it's just baked into the question itself, right? It, it yeah. sounds like this. Um, so, yeah, but, I'm pretty notorious yeah. for those, I think, Jeffrey, <laughs> exactly. you know that. Yeah. A lot of wordplay clues in my games when I don't yeah. think people are necessarily going to have the Pavlov of the name with the thing. Exactly. <laughs> so, no. uh, go ahead. No. I was going to say, so when you guys are compiling slash writing your current events stuff, how close do you get to what would be considered by most to be touchy subjects like highly political statements or you know, uh, like it, for a, a an actual current event example, the the new laws in Texas. Uh, how do you guys? How do you guys do? How do you guys handle things like that? Do you just stay away from it flat out? Do you use kid gloves? How do you guys go about talking about things that would be considered touchy to some people? Um, I mean, I'm pretty. I, oh, I was going about... to jump in on this one real quick. Hey. Hey, Corey, oh, we have a Corey. Who is Hello, this? Corey. <laughs> Hi. What's going on, man? Not much. I just, just I heard that we had the world famous trivia phenomenon Jeffy Bim in here, and I wanted to come oh. in and, and I thought for a second you were gonna talk about the other Jeffrey <laughs> who is <laughs> who is literally famous. No, I know. <laughs> I was just fucking around. <laughs> And I saw that Jason stepped away, so I was like, oh, this is the perfect time for me to come in and, like, break everything. <laughs> yeah. So, everybody, this is Corey. I'm not talking Hi, to Corey. our guest. 
I'm, I'm sure this the, will all get edited cast. out in the um, in, in the. Cast. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see how we'll see how fun Ken is feeling. Just randomly, court a bearded person shows him up. <laughs> a random Corey appears. Well, Corey, I think I already know your answer to this question, which was how do you how do you deal with politically touchy subjects? And your answer is scream them as loud as you can oh, yeah. at your players. Well, no, like, actually, I did have a, a genuine answer for the question you asked, uh, yeah. <laughs> which will probably get scrubbed. But uh, <laughs> for me, it's it, it depends on how I receive that information. Like if it's something, you know, if it's a, a Texas law that comes across my desk that I find out about through uh, some means other than me going out and reading the news or uh, checking headlines or something, then I figure it's fair game. Like if yeah. if I'm just scrolling through Instagram and there's memes about a new Texas law, I figure that that's something I could ask a question about. Okay. Whereas if it's something that I read because I'm looking at CNN.com, then I'm less likely, you know, I, I'm going to wait and see how widespread it really is yeah i mean that's I, um, that's a good i i think that's that's fair i uh in terms of answering your question jeffy about you know like do you handle things with kid gloves or do you i mean it, it depends on my audience but i me and my business partner chris o'brien we both run trivia la and we've always been about our leanings and where mm -hmm not afraid to make comments and, and, you know, openly talk about issues. Like I mentioned before, I usually don't get into like, you know, who was canceled because of like yeah. making this mm -hmm. racist statement from 15 years ago. Um, because people can look up, I don't need to celebrate those people and people don't need to earn points on trivia from those types of, from that type of content. But in general, yeah. in terms of touchy things. Yeah. I mean, we're all about it. We're all about it. We'll, we'll totally, um, you know, ask openly and our political leanings are pretty much out there. There have been a few private gigs where, you know, we've been hosting for like a Catholic school or something where I will definitely not bring up certain topics, knowing <laughs> the audience. But generally, if you're hosting at a bar in Los Angeles, um, you're pretty safe. Yeah. And oh, if people I... don't like it, they don't have to play. You know, they can leave. <laughs> I see Jason's back, so I'm going to run away before I get in trouble. Uh, but Jeffrey, huge fan. You're the reason oh. I popped in. Lynn, <laughs> I'm excited to check out this You Ought to Know. Uh, so, bye. <laughs> and that was Corey, everybody. Bye, Corey. What the fuck happened while I stepped away for 30 seconds? <laughs> Corey jumped in and just answered a question that I asked. <laughs> oh, sweet Jesus. Okay. Uh, this is going to be fun in the notes. Um, I was... I was going to uh, kind of follow up one of the points that you were making before Corey became me, which is confusing <laughs> in my soul. Um, as I made the shift online during uh, you know the pandemic, like like most of us did, I found that as my audience got broader uh, and my my beholdenness to masters that aren't myself. Uh, kind of waned since I was, you know, working entirely on a donation model. I wasn't being paid to present trivia in a venue right. and, and skirting certain, uh, you know, concerns geopolitically slash diplomatically with them. Uh, my opinions are starting to come out in my questions, and I think I'm pretty happy with that. I will tell you if I think a person sucks. I'm still going to write the question, but I'm going to phrase it in. So, you know, this guy's a douche. He did this thing. This Name him. asshole just right. released a new album. <laughs> I don't expect you to listen to it, but it exists. So we're going to talk about it kind of thing. This album is mediocre. What is it? 
So yeah, there are ways to kind of get into touchy subjects as long as you do it kind of with good faith. Um, if you're not using it as shock fodder specifically, I, yeah. I think I'm okay with that. Um, you know, because things that you aren't happy about being in the news are still in the news. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, still I do in- have a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, go uh, for it. I was say I, I do draw a line when it comes to some of these like massacre events. I don't feel like knowing the names of some of the perpetrators, at least the more you know, recently those that haven't been mythologized, like you know Jack yeah. the Ripper and so forth. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're worth asking and or or knowing. So that's probably where I, I've drawn the line, even in my you know current events newsletter. I mean, as far as the you know political events, I just. I mean, I'm not asking questions. I'm just kind of reporting the news, so I keep it in there. But I, I mean, I, I do try to not editorialize much because I don't always know my audience. So mm-hmm. I, I'm just doing my best just to say what happened and kind of leave it at that. And, you know, folks can take away from it what they will. I mean, I, I will say this to, to that point, Jeffrey. If you're about to write a trivia question where the subject matter is a very recent, very traumatic event where a lot of people were negatively affected, don't. Yeah. yeah. It's very easy uh, to not exactly. write a question. It's my favorite activity whenever I have to write questions. <laughs> you can just not talk about the landslide in you know, Nepal or whatever, uh, or the, you know, explosion in Milwaukee, what have you, um, when it's still fresh. And you can go back a couple months later when we have the benefit of, of kind of hindsight and contextualization, and you can allude to it or ask questions because it was a major event that happened. But you, while the wound is fresh, don't poke at it, frankly. I remember when the Harvey Weinstein trial was going down, I was at mm. O'Brien's and yes, exactly. As someone asked a question that was like, not even really, it was like a very innocuous question that was basically asking like, who was like the producer on this movie and it was Weinstein and everyone kind of was very upset that that question was there because you know, why are we answering innocuous trivia questions about Harvey Weinstein at this point? Why, why are we earning points? Yeah, there were about, about a dozen ways asshole. you could have crafted the same question and not ended up yeah. in the place that you did. Yeah, so, you know, there, there are ways to go about things, but what do I know? I've never had a single opinion about anything in my life before, so. <laughs> well, with that awkward silence, I feel like we're running towards the, uh, the end of our roundtable. Uh, Lynn, were there any kind of last hits that you wanted to uh, bring to the table before we kind of transition? And then uh, I'll throw it to Jeffrey as well before I strangle a child of mine running around upstairs. Oh, I get to do some final hot take. No, I, I I won't. I have too many hot takes. Um, no, thank you guys for having me on. I mean, I'm excited to dole out some questions in the next section. Um, I mean, I know one of the topics that was uh, mentioned as part of this uh, discussion is sources. And I mean, I think it's good to leverage multiple sources um, even from multiple viewpoints when, you know, writing current events trivia, um, you know, sometimes the first source you look at might not be the, you know, I, I think, it, I, I think it's, I guess, important to, I guess, triangulate and validate, mm-hmm. um, you know, from that perspective, especially with current events, which are really like, you know, late developing, right. You know, there hasn't been a lot of time for folks to, you know, process, you know, what is going on and, and all that. So, um, I mean, that's normally what I try to do when I, you know, produce my newsletter is like, you know, 
I've, I've got like five, six or seven sources for, you know, many of the things making sure that, you know, these are the things that, that are happening and, and all that. So. I mean, if you wanted to avoid that in the future, you could just do what I do, Jeffrey. And that's, uh, <laughs> that's subscribe to your newsletter and, and Lynn's <laughs> newsletter and just take all my current events content from there. Cause I trust there the sources. <laughs> So yeah, I think that pretty much does it for the uh, roundtable discussion. Uh, Jeffy, do you want to take us into the keyword challenge for the week? Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, every week, as I um and ah my way there, uh, each week we are presented with a keyword from one of our listeners. Uh, and what we do with that keyword is we take 10 minutes off mic to write a question that includes the keyword somewhere in the question or the answer portion itself. Um, so since you guys have not done a keyword challenge before, just remember that either your question or your answer has to contain today's keyword, which is Justin Trudeau, brought to us by Nikki Oak from Victoria, B.C., Canada. So oh, as I, long as I know that guy. He was a hockey player, right? The daddy, Justin Trudeau. <laughs> yep. So uh, either your question or your answer uh, has to contain that phrase. Um, and we're going to take 10 minutes off mic to do so. Everybody ready to get started writing? Let's, let's do it. Sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, Corey We've never had a starting gun before, so I don't know yeah. what to do. Uh, Corey was here for a minute. I don't know if that's going to make it into the podcast or not, but why don't, uh, why don't we have Corey ask uh, Jason some questions about PBR beer, and uh, we'll be back right after this porn music. And we are back from our 10-minute break. Uh, merely 45 seconds for you listeners, 10 minutes plus probably some extra for us. And we all have a question featuring the keyword Justin Trudeau, again, brought to us uh, by Nikki Oak from Victoria, B.C., Canada. Yeah, a little bit of a um, homer on this one, but we'll take it. Yeah. Uh, Jeffrey, would you like to start us off with your question? Yeah, so I went a bit more adjacent with this and not uh, diving to the rabbit hole of Canadian politics. But uh, my question is, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau would likely be familiar with what TV sitcom that concluded after five seasons in 2021 and featured newly minted MCU film star Simu Liu? Oh, that's cute. All right, so I'm going to plead ignorance for a second. Is Simu Liu the uh, actor behind uh, Shang-Chi? Am I getting exactly. that connection right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Phew. Yes. All right. Um, and he is Canadian. Ah, okay. Well, that mm -hmm. puts everything into context, and that means this answer is probably not Letter Kenny. Okay. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, the show that's being spoken of is also a Canadian show, correct? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. And it is then, set in... Toronto, I believe, which is also where Trudeau uh, had his come up, I think. I, oh, I in the Toronto never, scene. Yeah, I've never seen this show. I only know it because I know two things about Simu Liu, uh, and that is that he starred in this show and that he also did uh, Getty stock photographs for 150 bucks. <laughs> yes, exactly. that went viral last week. That was very cute. Oh, nice. Um, so, so, Jeffrey, can I answer? Because I know. Go for it. <laughs> This is Kim's convenience. It is um, Kim's convenience. Great yeah. show. I, I have not show. seen it. I've well, heard actually, of it. It had a lot of controversy when he exited the show because it was like praised for being, you know, like Asian representation, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And then uh, after, you know, it all ended, Simu Liu came out on Twitter and was like, that writer's room was 
terrible. It was super racist. Like it was not yeah. a good situation. So sad in the post in, in the, the, the postmortem of the show. Okay. Now, um, Kim's convenience, I've heard of it. I, I remember the general premise. Was that, was that a Netflix exclusive or was that on uh, like terrestrial TV? And I'm just blanking on what uh, channel it would have been on. Oh, it originally aired on Canadian TV. I think it's CBC or Oh, okay. Well, that whatever was the yeah. big channel, but yeah, I mean, it eventually got onto Netflix, and I think I think you can get the first three or four seasons on Netflix. I know the most recent one that aired, um, you know, which f- features the finale. I don't think has is on Netflix yet, but yeah, if, if for anyone that wants to check it out, um, you can do so on Netflix. All right. I, um, I was gonna say I, I like the number of the number of ins to that. I don't think if you had mentioned Simulu, I don't think I would have been able to get it just because I didn't know that it concluded. I didn't know how many seasons there were or anything like mm-hmm. that. Um, I wasn't even sure that it was a Canadian show. I just knew that Simulu was Canadian, that he was on Kim's Convenience. So that's that's what kicked me into knowing the correct answer. Um, but I think that with <laughs> being handcuffed into mentioning Justin Trudeau, and then taking that in a direction that touches on uh, another topic just by saying this is a Canadian show. Uh, I think that that's a, a a brilliant way to get around the nonsense that is the keyword challenge. <laughs> uh, and then also write you know, a really there are approachable only two question. Canadian shows, so yeah. uh, this was it was a coin flip really between yeah. Letterkenny and and this one. God, I love yeah. Letterkenny so much. And there's also. It's, <laughs> Schitt's Creek is also I was going to say, the, but... the Levy family yeah. is about to send some angry emails. <laughs> and tra- 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 uh, Park is, too, right? is that CBC? Isn't that, um, um, what, what, no. Like, I thought it was never like, uh, you know, like a homegrown Canadian production, which is why yeah. I did not count. Oh, that on, I couldn't say for sure. Is it on IFC? No, that's it, not right. It was oh, like it Pop be. was the channel, maybe? I don't and, remember. Uh, My wife hates the fact that I haven't seen it all yet. She's upset at me. Oh, I just looked it up. It is a t- okay. So you, it is CBC. I was very much here. So one of there are only been three Canadian shows. Excuse me, Shit's Creek, Letterkenny, and Tim's Convenience. Yeah, that's canon. Now we're we're gonna cut and print that for sure. I'm I'm going to be canceled for missing for missing Shit's Creek. It's it's it's. Okay. <laughs> there were there were two well known Canadian TV shows with Eugene Levy, and you didn't name either of them in that riff. <laughs> The second SCTV? city television yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's it four and and you can't do that on television so five yeah. there have only ever been five canadian tv what shows i think we Trailer can all Park land on Boys? that six tv shows and that's it tv shows speaking of degrassi and current events uh currently drake holds uh i think it's the top five in the billboard and no, all he, 21 he singles holds- yeah, all, it's all 21 singles from his new record are on the Hot 100. It's which is nine ridiculous. out of the top 10. It's stupid. Yeah, if we're talking yeah. about our opinions, it is a mediocre album from a yeah. mediocre rapper. Uh, I absolutely and agree. Just so, absolutely outrageous. And so, so that's, far that's removed from the concept of... And now we will have to all, you know, so, so the song Girls Want Girls, which is a fine song, but, you know, it was, it was Drake throwing a bone to all the sapphics out there. Now we're going to see that Instagram caption all over, uh, you know, Girls Want Girls. And it's already begun. Selena Gomez recently just 
caption one of her photos with that song as the caption uh and it caused a bunch of people to freak out if that was a coming out message or not um but look i've always read hands to myself as a queer song so i'm saying that publicly now on this podcast <laughs> i can that's a locked in opinion now yep <laughs> welcome yep. to lynn use hot takes the podcast <laughs> <laughs> See, I just knew the girls didn't like boys. They liked cars and money. So the girls liking girls <laughs> uh, is, is new information for me, really. You've opened my oh, eyes, they Drake. They don't really like them. They just want them. Ah. They just want girls. Yeah. Oh, good Charlotte. Ah. Should we move out of uh, whatever the hell kind of riff this is and move into yes. my question? Yes, indeed. All right, here's my attempt at it. Uh, what comedy trope is most familiar to fans of Chevy Chase's portrayal of Gerald Ford? Justin Trudeau's portrayal of relatable guy trying to get elected, TV character Jack Tripper, ironically, and Andy Dwyer in relation to the Sullivan Street Pit, ironic <laughs> in a different way. Huh. <laughs> it sounds of, like Jeffy definitely knows this. I, I have no avenue in. There's a lot of ins here that, that I'm not picking it yeah, up yet. But I am not familiar with any of them, sadly. Um. <laughs> Is Andy Dwyer um, Parks and Rec? Yeah, that's yes. Parks and Rec. Yeah. Oh, oh, yes, he's Chris Pratt's character, right? Yes. Okay. Great. I mean, he he fell into the pit, but I don't know. Yes, he did that... multiple times. Oh, it's like a like a Pratt fall. Aha, yes. ha, 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 ha. Ironic in a different way. Oh, uh, that makes. <laughs> oh, that's cute. Yay, teamwork! Yes. Hey, you guys definitely landed it. Those are four uh, relatively well-known pop culture examples in the modern era of Pratt falls. Wow. Would you oh, have accepted cute. just fell over as an answer? Falling uh, over a lot. I would have nudged to to give me the better answer. I think, <laughs> but I, yeah, I checked out uh, tvtropes.com. I was, as I, as I came to this question, I'm trying to think, how can I approach Justin Trudeau in a non like current events slash political slash uh, geographic sense? And like, what do I remember about Justin Trudeau? He's handsome. He's surprisingly 49. Oh, he fell that time uh, that went viral <laughs> in a video that I watched from a John Oliver segment on last week tonight. I'm like, that's right. He was trying to be relatable. So he was showing off on like a, Keba saw uh, interview show, you know, one of his party tricks was to take a tumble down the stairs. I'm like, OK, uh, what was the other guy? Chevy Chase used to do the Gerald Ford thing on SNL where he fell down a lot. Yeah. So I can pack that in. So I went to TV tropes. I'm like, I need a couple other examples to flesh this out. And I saw uh, Three's Company and Jack Tripper. I'm like, well, that's going in. Uh, <laughs> and then remember that Andy Dwyer, uh, played by Chris Pat, fell in the pit that time. I'm like, there you go. Pin the bow on it and we're good. Not just That's a great pit. question, actually. That's written in a, such a fun way, too, especially yeah. with the Chris Pratt doing a pratfall. <laughs> yeah, I think for us, it was only that last bit of clue that got us there. I, yeah, I don't think we, the, uh, we definitely were not part. familiar, sadly, with Chevy Chase and Jack Tripper. But we were able to figure out the Chris Pratt. Yeah, I loved hearing the light bulbs go off on that one as you guys <laughs> chatted it out. It was... The experience as a writer hearing the other side of that coin did my heart good today. So thank you, Sudafed, for putting me in the mental space to write this question today. <laughs> both of you uh, went the TV route, which is fun. Oh, yeah, I suppose so we both did. It's TV it? sitcom, and then you also did comedy television as well. Justin Trudeau just really lends himself to television comedy apparently there you go <laughs> well it's not like i can speak to his politics i live in the wrong country to to be educated on that well enough 
I mean, I could I tell mean, you what party true. he represents. You could, and that's... you could be an American and educated on Canadian politics, but, you know, why would you be? That's the real question. <laughs> like, I almost asked who his boss was, and I was going to expect answers of the Canadian people and the Queen, and I wasn't sure which one is more technically correct, so I decided to go a different <laughs> route. <laughs> Fair. All right, Lynn, what do you have for us? All right, here we go. Harry, Prince of Wales. Enrique Peña Nieto, former president of Mexico, Justin Trudeau, prime minister of Canada, and Barack Obama, former POTUS, all of these men appear on rankers list under what categorical heading? Huh. Oh, I got a good guess on this, and I think I'm going to be close enough that a link yes. might give me credit. Let's hear it. Yeah, uh, I'm it. throwing a stab out at the uh, the the sexiest heads of government alive. Yes, they are they are <laughs> the world's hottest hottest male leaders, indeed. <laughs> well, I wow. mean, what other U.S. president in modern history would you put on that list except for good old Barry? None, only yeah, only none. Barry, yeah. only Barry. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah, since Kennedy, I think is the last one you could make a strong argument for. Yeah, like Ken Jack Kennedy, Barack Obama, you know, maybe you can go back to like Franklin Pierce, uh, who was apparently a looker. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you put Barack Obama, Prince Harry on a list, like you're, you're compiling a list of like sexy men in positions of power. Yeah, I, I can't help but notice that Kim Jong-un isn't on that list. And I think you're going to get all <laughs> listeners to this podcast uh, sending in angry emails. Oh, wait, you're not. That's the whole point of North Korea. <laughs> there there was a King uh, Wang Chuck of Bhutan was on this list. He's a looker. Ooh. So, OK, people want to. And his name is Wang Chuck, which we love. <laughs> so everybody should Wang Chuck tonight. Got it. <laughs> I, you know, I I really enjoy that. This is a fun as hell question. I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it. You know, mostly my question writing just comes from lusting after various <laughs> uh, people in the media. So. <laughs> Oh, I've seen your Facebook feed. There's a thirst to you. I'm here for oh, it. Oh yes, yes, heavy heavy thirst. I'm I'm very excited that all three of you had wonderful questions because I'm going to fix the bell curve so that it's back down to being bad questions. Um, my question, I <clears throat> ran into a snag. Uh, I ran into a snag while writing uh, due to external forces, uh, and I didn't get to review as much as I wanted. So the wording on this is not exactly how it would end up. But here is my slightly depressing question. Justin Trudeau has a long history of advocacy. Tragedy in 1998, Justin Trudeau has always spoken out on dangers of what type of not always natural disaster? Gender reveal parties leading to tsunamis? Well, <laughs> it's not it's not just the it's not just the party. It's the it could occur on its own. Just hey, there it is. Yeah. Or a human could do something stupid. Um, or maybe not even oh, stupid. Oh, is this something Forest like fires? electrical? Yeah, like I, I don't know what's what is tragic in 1998. Um, like I, mm, I don't know. The state of like sitcom a, comedy. The state <laughs> of television comedy. Uh, just so many pratfalls. <laughs> oh God, this is Canada. We need to think uh, Canadian here. Could this? Oh, could this oh, be like something like cold weather related? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, does always. it have something to do with like drunk driving or something really sad like that, Jeffy? 
it, mm. it does not. It, it is okay. a sad story, but not drunk driving sad. I'm trying to think, it wouldn't be ah. like a blizzard because those are always natural. Mm-hmm. Feel like a gender a reveal party that collapsed through You guys are, you guys are getting warmer, kind of. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying that you're getting warmer, but as as we're getting colder, the, the answer our, is the answer is colder. But you're getting warmer to finding the colder answer, like a, a avalanche. Avalanche. Oh, that yeah. is the correct answer. Wow. Avalanches. Wow. <laughs> oh, that makes sense now. Um, I yeah. still like your answer better, Lynn. We're gonna go with that. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the a, correct a answer. Reveal party on the ice, reveal and they fell through the ice, and it was really sad. Um, but yeah, uh, sadly, uh, in 1998, his brother Michael passed away in an avalanche along with, uh, I think it was like seven, six or seven other hikers slash bikers slash people that were, uh, out in the wilderness somewhere. Uh, so he and his family set up a, uh, a nonprofit thing that would speak to winter sports safety. And he spoke out early in his political career towards the lack of an avalanche warning system or something to that effect that would keep hikers and skiers and other mountain folks safe during avalanche season and help prevent the things that humans do uh like skiing in places where you're not supposed to ski or and i'm not positive this if this is just cartoons but yelling really loud in a valley you know i don't i don't know if that actually causes an avalanche but um I know uh, Mythbusters so, tested that. I don't remember what the outcome was, unfortunately. Yeah, he, he's always advocated towards uh, education and safety and advocacy of, you know, spending money on things that will uh, prevent tragedies such as what he had when he was, I think he was only like uh, 30-something when his brother passed. Actually, this was oh, a good question. Right. You were You were saying like, oh, you know, you didn't have enough time to write it. But look, like in terms of, an agenda, an education. We learned something today. Get, yeah, you can't that's... yell in a valley. Otherwise, yeah. you might set off an out. I didn't know that. You know what, Lynn? You're right. I am awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I now, appreciate it. <laughs> now, very important follow-up question. Can you yodel in a valley safely? I, isn't that isn't that what... Now, I'm just talking completely out of my ass, but isn't that what yodeling was supposed to do? Wasn't it supposed to ring further and knock avalanches down before they could hurt anybody? I'm I could be completely That's exactly what they do in Switzerland to <laughs> you know the sound of music they're just trying to cause avalanches to bring down the Nazis that's the all ending I want actually I'm here for that yeah. yes <laughs> okay so the the first the first google is like can can yodeling cause avalanches? They're like no you could hear it a long way away but you can't cause an avalanche with it <laughs> I'm but, just glad you Googled that and not literally. What the family was doing it? <laughs> there's, there's one heading, you may continue yodeling. <laughs> oh, I had fun with these. I hope you guys oh, did too. To our listeners, awesome. I, I promise I'm not always such an obnoxious American. Or maybe I am. <laughs> Oh, that's what you're here for. I love it. Uh, and speaking of the listeners, if, if you guys have opinions, hot takes and uh, thoughts on these questions, uh, you can use your vote to let us know which one you think is your favorite or not vote for the three that you think are your least favorite, because that's how uh, a ranked choice list system kind of works. Uh, <laughs> head to quadriviapodcast.com and select your favorite. Uh, that way, Corey knows that he should have been on this episode longer and won the poll. <laughs> uh, Lynn, I think we're getting close to the end here. Uh, 
I know that Jeffrey doesn't write questions uh, in his standard current events kind of milieu, but I know that you write some really delightful ones, and I would love to hear some of those. So uh, do you have a, about 10 questions or so you could throw at us to put a pin on this episode? I do. I have five that are kind of over the course of the last two years, so 2020, 2021. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking for the other five, you guys could pick a random date that occurred this summer, and I will just pull up the you ought to know issue from that date and ask you a question uh, and we'll go from level one to level five uh Ooh, level like one being that. easiest to level five being hardest so i really like that i'm down for yeah. that how about you guys let's good. go for it all right let's kick this off with some questions from the last two years these were written for various sets one was from an o'brien set uh, another was for the Asian American Journalists Association Trivia Bowl that my company puts on in LA every year. So the first one here is pretty recent. Uh, Just as the restaurant industry has benefited from state laws legalizing to-go cocktails during COVID-19 shutdowns, another industry has benefited from the rapid legalization of their sector during the pandemic. One reason is because the sector could serve as a major form of state tax revenue. What company is perhaps the biggest player in this space, valued at $24 billion after going public during the height of the pandemic? I don't know any weed companies. (laughs) (laughs) The only one I know is big in Illinois, or I don't even know if they're that big in Illinois, but I wouldn't know if they're nationally. But I'm... I think you're on the right track, though. That's where my head was going to. I think I don't we're talking think this about... is weed. I, I think this might be gambling. That could be the other direction to go for sure. But because of the, the cocktail in, I'm, I'm dialed mm. into it being an illicit substance. Well, illicit, relatively that cocktails speaking. Cocktails was just sort of like another example of like, mm. oh, here's another example of state laws legalizing this thing rapidly. Oh, that's true. Um, were, so there, were there any state laws that like legalize like uh phone gambling or like sports oh no because there wouldn't like be like sports betting and yeah that, well, like i mean that. there was still sports so i guess that that still that still counts i mean i know DraftKings was fighting some legislation for a number of years uh so that they weren't seen as gambling so mm-hmm. i wonder if maybe it's something like a, a fantasy sports thing like a DraftKings or a, a fan duel or, or something yeah. like that i figure it might be one of those like those would be the biggest beneficiaries of something think, like this. I think FanDuel is currently like the big one that everybody uses. I think DraftKings had, had its issues uh, over the last couple of years. I don't have a stronger guess than that. Yeah. Uh, the only the only other guess that I would have is Cresco Labs, which is the, the Chicago-based hmm. medical marijuana slash they make cookies <laughs> slash legal in illinois now jeffy's on a jeffy's on a different tangent you guys are like on sports yeah. betting and jeffy's on, on the, uh... <laughs> i'm just thinking about pot cookies <laughs> yeah <no. laughs> how do you resolve the munchies when you eat pot cookies more pot cookies is it is it just a vicious cycle <laughs> is it like the ouroboros of chill yes <laughs> yes it is until you eat enough to fall asleep all right jeffrey you're probably the uh the best oh trivia player of the three of us do you no. do you want to confirm or deny have any additional thoughts or do we lock in with like yeah FanDuel? I, I was gonna lean with the gambling i i don't know between DraftKings and FanDuel which one um you know would have gone public during the height of the pandemic um you said FanDuel might be bigger 
Uh, these days, I think so, because I know DraftKings okay. had some really bad press a couple years ago. Then I, I'd go FanDuel and uh, throw that up there. Toss that coin. <laughs> All right, FanDuel, final answer? Yeah. Sure. So you guys were correct in that it was online gambling that was rapidly legalized during the pandemic because, you know, that could bring in big state revenue. A lot of people were just stuck at home, you know, placing sports bets on their phones or on their laptops. So that ended up being a huge boon for the industry. Uh, the company that went public and is probably one of the biggest players in the space. The answer is DraftKings, uh, uh, which Jason, you said first. Wrong point. And <laughs> so, I will say, I will say, FanDuel does actually have over half of the American market, but they were acquired by an Irish bookmaking company called Flutter Entertainment. So they're not; uh, they're owned by this like Irish firm, and DraftKings is the American firm that went okay. public last year. Good yeah. to know. Uh, you know, but I'll yeah, take close enough to the right answer on that stab. That's a moral victory for me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And even right, though which... I was going to say, even though I, I took the loss on that one, I'm still thinking about pot cookies, so I'm OK. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a win. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what he's doing right after. It's we not a loss. Call. You're soon to forget. <laughs> uh, here we go. Question two. A 2017 book by sociologist. Alex S. Vital questioned the role and necessity of certain institutions. It has become a manual of sorts for what three-word movement, which gained widespread popularity during the Black Lives Matter protests after the death of George Floyd. I mean, I've got a stab I, on this, but I think that stab's going to make me look really dumb. I have a thought as well. <laughs> I don't know if you want to go first. I mean, I, the answer I'm thinking of, I don't know that I would classify personally with the word movement. I feel like I'm adjacent to the right answer, if that makes sense. Like I have a, I have a conceptual three word answer that feels like it dovetails into everything here, but I I wouldn't use the word movement to describe it. And that could be my ignorance speaking more than like anything in terms of accuracy. Well, when I think of role of and necessity of certain institutions, I think of a uh, critical race theory. And that's what I'm thinking as well. And I thought that the name Alex Vital was, was one of the uh, big, if not like forerunners, but big modern day proponents of that in literature. I, does that make sense? I think it's okay to call it a movement because it's definitely, um, you know, as far as adoption of that, mm -hmm. you know, line of thinking in schools and the workplace and all that. I mean, it's definitely catching fire, right? And oh no, I, this was uh, yeah, I agree with you. Guys yeah. I I didn't even think about CRT, but that's a good point. Um, so this question was written in 2020, so kind of think back to what was becoming mm, okay. very big during the BLM protests in May and June of last year after. And also pertaining to what institutions uh, mm -hmm. relating to the death of George Floyd. Yeah, that's I I've been waiting for for a time to say I thought that um, the like the ending of private prisons and just police in general, like mm. defund the police. Is yeah, a three -word defund phrase. the police. I like that. Yeah, I'm I'm very happy with that. Yeah, I think. And you guys. The answer is defund the police. The book hey. is The End of Policing, um, also known as Abolish the Police. So okay. that was the answer. Yeah. Well, right. We needed the hint to 
get there. <laughs> and as you can imagine, this I did not run for, you know, like the private Catholic school <laughs> event that I was doing at Fair one point. I was like, well, take this one out. I should follow up and point out that the concept sociologically of critical race theory has been written about for decades, and it's not just a thing that Fair came enough. into the, the, the space in 2017. That's for so sure. That, <laughs> good point. Yeah. As, as I look it up real quick, just to find out just how wrong I was in my literary uh, educational theory mentality. All right. Question three, also from 2020. Uh, in 2020, only two individuals laid in state or have lain in state at the U.S. state capitol. One was a legendary congressman and civil rights activist, and the other was the first woman to ever lie in state. Name both individuals. I've got the woman, and I can picture the congressman, and I can I can remember his accolades. I'm blanking on his name, and I feel really are bad. Are you thinking of John Lewis? That's the name. Thank you so much. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then uh, I'm reasonably certain that the woman would be Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I, I would think so, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on R, uh, RBG. And then Lewis was he was the one that was at the, the Selma marches, right? Mm -hmm. Am I, am I yeah. misremembering that? I, that sounds right to me. But I don't. Mm. We lock yeah. it in? I, I think we very much should with those two. Yeah, go for it. All right, and you guys are correct. It is John R. Lewis from Georgia, the legendary congressman from Georgia, and RBG. Uh, rest in peace to both of them. Mm -hmm. That was an instigate for you guys. Good job. Well, Jeffrey pulled me out on a little bit on that one. I'm, I'm telling you, I could picture his his name. I could hear his voice, especially in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. I just I could not pull his name. Hate when that happens. <laughs> The next question I'm editing on the fly right now, because this was written last year, but is relevant this year. Uh, so the 2020 Tokyo Olympics are the, even though they were held in 2021, much to the protest of the general Japanese populace due to COVID concerns, but the 2020 Tokyo Olympics were the fourth time the nation of Japan hosted the Olympic Games. Name the other two Japanese cities besides Tokyo that have hosted the Olympics. More I've of a sports one. history question. Yeah. yeah, I've got one instantly. I'm trying to remember what the other one is offhand. If you uh, have one, I'll tell you the other. <laughs> yeah, uh, the one I have offhand, uh, I believe, was the '94 Winter Games in Nagano. I think it's '98, but oh, yeah, 98. it is Nagano. That's right. '92 yeah. <laughs> was Albertville. '94 was Lillehammer. My bad. Y'all uh, showing off this Winter Olympics knowledge. <laughs> and the other one would yes, be. Yes, uh, I am also helping. <laughs> Sapporo would be the Sapporo. other. That's what I. That's the first thing that came to mind, but I couldn't lock in as to what year that would be, so I wasn't confident. Thank you. Sigurdsson, you really know your Winter Olympics. <laughs> uh, I, yes, I try. The answer is Sapporo in 1972 and Nagano in 1998. See, that's the thing about me, Jeffries. I will say something quickly and confidently, and then find out just how slightly off I was. <laughs> oh, and the other one was Tokyo again. Duh. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, wait, what's the other city? <laughs> he said it was four. Yeah. I'm a dumb Yes, dumb. four times. Yeah. When was the other Tokyo Olympics? In 64, I think. Uh, Maybe. God yeah, bless me. Jeffrey Seguritin on hand right. these auto Olympic polls. The 68 <laughs> was Mexico City, and I think I can name all the summer games after that. It's before that that I start to get real iffy. 
60 was Rome. I owned this book that was about the 1960 Rome Olympics that I read uh, all oh, 50 pages um, and, and never finished, but apparently it was important. Um, all right. And of course, you know, we do have to end with a pop culture question for this first set of five. So during a week in August 2020, a song with a three-letter initialism reached number one on the Billboard charts. Two weeks later, a group with a three-letter initialism had a number one hit on the Billboard charts. Name the song and name the group. Pretty sure I got this. And I do want to thank you for using the term initialism correctly versus yeah. the term acronym. <laughs> like, it's not me being the pedant. It's me having had to deal with people being the pedants whenever I use the terms incorrectly in writing over the years. It's like FBI isn't an acronym, you dumbass. Like that. <laughs> Letters that's, that mean to shut up. Um, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I've got this dead to rights and I've got to thank my... Uh, teenage roommate there's there's a reason uh for knowing half of this oh that's Let's, the the, go the for band <laughs> is the is the k-pop band right yep i'm yeah. pretty sure i should say yeah so what you want to take a stab at um yeah uh i'm pretty sure the song would be wap and the group would be bts Indeed, it is WAP by Cardi b featuring men stallion easily the song of the year you can find me on the of 2020 <laughs> Um, and then two weeks later, BTS's song Dynamite would top the charts. So yeah. we had back-to-back three-letter initialism somewhere on the Billboard charts. Yeah, and uh, Dynamite kind of slaps. I played it at a couple of weddings since it came out, and it uh, it, it gets white people up. Oh, it's up. a great song. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's fantastic. Oh. Yeah, you got the, you got to love that weird key change going into the final mm-hmm. chorus. But oh, that's fantastic. how you know it's a banger. Yeah, anytime yeah. you modulate there towards the end. Uh, oh, so- yeah. So because I'm not overly familiar with modern music, is it pronounced WAP or WAP or is it uh, initialized WAP? It is WAP. Okay. So it is an acronym. All right. Yeah, I guess it is. Actually, yeah, I think it appears with the the uh, let me see in terms. No, it it does not appear with the dots in the official naming of it. The um, understanding I've always had is the difference is, is acronym, you pronounce acronyms like words and you pronounce initialisms like individual letters. Ah, okay. So WAP uh, is an acronym then. I, I'm i just listening to people who um actually me at live trivia shows, so I could be <laughs> wrong because they were drinking. But that's that's the understanding that I have at least. Well, for the people on Twitter, you can rewrite three-letter acronym for the song and a three-letter <laughs> initialism for the group. Oh, no. Although, if we had to I mean, deal with it, they have to deal with it. It's fine. Yes, yeah. The group technically does stand for something as well, but, you know, in Korean. Ah, so it's not behind the scenes. No. no that, that's like a backwards <laughs> backronym or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I just go uh, ask the... the next- uh, teenage girl living in my house right now what it stands for and then we'd have a completely different podcast for the next hour and a half <laughs> she is a i'm stan. sure she knows she is a stan i mean we all should be it's it's a fantastic song and um cardi b and megan the stallion are at the top of their game yeah uh the next five questions so you can choose between may 24th to september 13th Pick a date, and I will open the You Ought to Know, and we'll start with the most successful question and then move to the most difficult. So, Ooh, do September um, 7th. Definitely, ooh, September definitely not my birthday, but it is. Oh, happy birthday. 
Thank you. I'm old now. <laughs> oh, we get a we get a pop culture Friday. That's the closest one to the September seventh issue. Um, uh-huh. All right. After controversial stadium listening parties, Kanye West has released his long-awaited new album titled "After His Late Mother." What is it called? The uh, the album titled "After His Late Mother." Mm-hmm. Oh, I've seen this album name on Reddit the last couple of days, Wasn't... and I just didn't retain it. And this is from it? this is from this year. Yeah, yes. this came out like two weeks ago. This oh, came out on your birthday, oh, just for your birthday, Jeffy. I was, I was thinking of 808s and Heartbreaks because that was the the album that was right after his mother passed away. I thought. Oh no Wasn't no! It? This title, no. this album is named after his late mother. Yeah, like this the, just the came album's out. title is his mother's name. Oh okay. It's it's like yeah. a five letter name, and it's, I think it ends with like an E. And I'm just trying to fill in the gaps. It's like Yonde or something. It is uh, Donda. Yeah. Donda. Donda. Thank you. Donda. Yeah, yeah. That is correct. It's very bloated. I I give a lot of opinions about Donda on a different podcast, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Donda is the correct answer. Um, Jeffrey Securitan, pick a date. Oh, um, I'll pick something close to my birthday, June 9th. June 9th. You son right. of a bitch. That's exactly the date I was going to pick, and you know exactly <laughs> why I was going to. <laughs> nice. 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 Oh, nice, nice, nice. Uh, all right. So here's the next question from 69. Jeff Bezos got yeeted into space this summer. He and uh, actually, was his brother on the flight? This might be outdated. But um, Jeff Bezos got yeeted into space this summer aboard the first human space flight crewed by what space firm? Oh, I Basically, what was the name June. of the space firm? It's, that? Uh, oh, it's, yeah, I, blue, I remember it now. Yeah, Blue something. Blue Origin or Blue, blue Origin. Origin. It's, it's one of the two. Yeah. Blue Origin. Yeah. Yes. The answer is Blue Origin. See, and that's nice. the nice thing about current events facts is you can remember them in the moment and then two months later, you're like, ah, <laughs> tip of the tongue. <laughs> exactly. Some things you just like don't really re- need to remember for the long term. Like who made it to space first, him or the other guy, the virgin guy. Um, Jason, pick a date. Uh, let's go with August 6th. Let's see what sticks. August 6th. Ooh, this is another pop culture one. Oh, this was a big event in the middle of the summer. Uh, what video game company's employees walked out on strike in protest of the company's harassment and discrimination against female workers? A state lawsuit reinforced claims of a toxic workplace. Employees called for a boycott of such games as Call of Duty and Candy Crush. And this was in I'm August. rethinking my answer now because... Well, I guess one is uh, part of the parent company of the other. I was originally going to say Blizzard. So was I, because I remember there was that uh, that NPC that was named for like one of the executives yeah. of Blizzard that they removed yeah. from World of Warcraft recently. And then I remembered that Activision Blizzard is the Not full from, name of like yeah. the conglomerate. From and Overwatch, that connects to yeah. the, the Call of Duty. Oh, you're right. It was Overwatch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think I think you're right. I think it's Activision Blizzard. Yeah, I agree. Nice. You guys know your video. It is exactly Activision Blizzard. Well done. Yeah. 
me yeah, and my a couple friends of 40 year old white guys on this podcast we're gonna know some video games <laughs> me, and, me and my friends have have taken the washington football team aspect and and called him overwatch dps hero now <laughs> i'm here for that <laughs> uh whose turn is it now to pick a date two it more is, it, i'll i'll do or another three one. more because then each of you can pick a date one more date what about, uh what about june 21st is that too close to anything else we did no we can do june 21st June 21st. All right, here we go. The June 21st question. Um, what four countries make up the security grouping known as the Quad? The Quad plans to have its first in-person meeting this fall. Their main purpose is countering China's rising influence. One member state had a deadly border skirmish with China last year. Another dealt with embargoes on exports. Yet another has dealt with military incursions around the Senkaku Islands. Meanwhile, leaders of Beijing view the Quad as an anti-China bloc perpetuating America, American hegemony. That was very wordy, but uh, very international politics, what four countries are in the security grouping known as the Quad. My head goes to Southeast Asia, and I'm trying to suss out from the wording if there's an indication that the four countries are like co-adjacent or not. Obviously, one of them is adjacent to China because border skirmish, yeah. but I'm trying to think if the quad kind of implies that they're four geographically equally located. I don't nations. think so. <laughs> I think they're yeah. influential um, mm. in the area. Um, do we think, I think one of these is the United States. Date. I'm not 100. Yes. Uh, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure on three, and the U.S. is one of the three that I have. And okay. I think, uh, yeah, go go mention your others, and the we can. The other one, I I'm almost positive that I remember hearing this. I can't remember what the fourth one was, but I remember the U.S., India, and Japan. And I I know that there's another one because it's called the Quad, and there's supposed to be four of them. Yeah, but I, I can't think, the, think uh, of. Potentially South Korea being the fourth would make some kind of geopolitical sense over something like Russia. Well, I was thinking Australia, because I think they had the embargo on the exports with oh, Australia. Yeah, yeah um, there's a lot then, of trade between Australia and China, if I recall correctly. And, uh, you know, the border skirmish was with India. The Senkaku Islands is with Japan. Mm -hmm. So I think I think basically what we said... Um, which would be U.S., Japan, India, and Australia. Yeah, I'm happy and, to sign off on that. And you guys are exactly correct. The quad nice job, is gentlemen. USA, India, Australia, and Japan. Well done. Yeah. And the border skirmish was with India, a deadly border skirmish where a number of Indian soldiers were killed. Um, this was actually one of like the pettiest geopolitical things that went down last year because of that border skirmish. India, like the next week, banned TikTok, which is owned by a Chinese company. Um, <laughs> so it was like a purely like petty geopolitical move for it. Uh, and then the uh, embargoes are Australia, the military incursions, uh, Japan. And then I was hinting at Beijing, use the quad as perpetuating American hegemony. The USA would be the fourth in that grouping. Yeah, very well crafted. Um, I'm, I'm, went above my head a little bit but i love the question uh, in hindsight and you guys got there as a team 
So well, that was fun. I was on that team and they got there. <laughs> <laughs> um, do we have another date from Jeffrey Skirtin? Then let's go July 15th. July 15th. All right. All right, now we're in the difficult territory. Ooh, okay. This is actually really interesting. Uh, so due to Brexit, Britain's European citizens, who used to be able to move freely to and from the EU, now have to apply for settled status. The subsequent melee of paperwork has led to a surprising revelation in nationality statistics. What group, the second biggest European group in Britain after Poles or people from Poland, uh, filed 918 application, 918,000 applications by the end of March, twice as many as their estimated population in 2019. So basically, wow. uh, because of Brexit, yeah, now now Britain's European citizens have to apply to settle there. Um, and it turns out that this second biggest European group in Britain has like way more people in Britain than anyone previously expected. The guess that I have on this uh, involves a little bit of lateral thinking and that lateral thinking being maybe this is a group that was underrepresented before because it's being inflated now for convenience sake. And that would be Ireland, potentially, uh, because life would be a heck of a lot easier for people on the island if they could move freely from Northern Ireland to Ireland. So maybe some people are saying, oh, I'm actually Irish. Uh, so that they can, you know, make their way across the border with a, a minimum of paperwork. It's probably wrong, but that's where my head's going. I, I love the logic. I, I think it makes yeah. a lot of sense. Because um, hmm. I mean, I'm trying to think of anything else that might make sense, but yeah, uh, maybe maybe French. Maybe maybe yeah, French people don't want to say there. that they're French. Yeah. Oh no, no, never mind. Yes, I am French. I'd like to leave now, please. So it's actually, yeah. you're going to be thinking about like, you know, a group in Europe that is moving to Britain because of job opportunities, because their own country doesn't really have a lot of economic opportunity. So they're like leaving their own country oh, in like mass exodus and they are settling, trying to settle in Britain and they're not going home because uh, yeah, there's I no was, opportunity I, at home. Yeah. I think I was reading the question kind of backwards and oh, yeah. talking about okay. like bi-directional immigration emigration situation but if we're talking that my my head goes to greece because i remember yeah. that the greek economic situation was really yeah, bad a couple uh, years ago and i don't know much about european political uh, economics right now to say anything better yeah i think that makes a lot of sense too so yeah let's yeah, right. uh, greece is actually yeah greece is actually a really good guess um this is a, a big group that's been moving to britain in the last decade and it's actually Romanians. Wow. They're the second oh, largest oh, okay. group of Europeans in Britain after Poles. Yeah, I didn't know that either until recently. So I thought that, and this is for listeners at home, this is like a difficult question for sure. So Romanians, yeah. Are, I, I was talking to a friend who recently traveled to London and she was like, yeah, London is such an international city at this point. I don't know why I would just assume that like everyone here speaks English because. Mm. I mean, you can't necessarily assume the same if you're in Los Angeles. But yeah, she was trying to find directions and she asked a person on the street and they ended up being Romanian and she, like they didn't speak English. And she was like, yeah, I, not necessarily everyone here is, is um, white and British. Yeah, the views that we kind of get on London from like pop culture here in the States are probably skewed a little bit. Right. <laughs> and the, I mean, the U.S. Open 
female women's singles winner is has Romanian descent, right? Yes, Emma Raducanu. Yeah. Yeah, that's a name I'm going to have to learn because it's going to be a trivia question somewhere this week, and I should probably get that memorized. Mm-hmm. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah, I've picked up the broad strokes, but again, it's the name. That's the thing yes. I got to lock in. All right, Jason, last pick, last date. Uh, let's go with. Uh, what date did you say was the first edition of You Ought to Know? Ooh, that was May 24th. Excellent. Let's go with July 9th. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. 69 and 79. All right. The closest one, there was an issue on July 9th, but the closest one is going to be from July 12th. So... Oh, this is a depressing one. We're not going to do this. Sorry. This is, this is what about, we mentioned like Haiti earlier, but this was ah. you know, the assassination. Of I'll tell you what, I'll recon it. And we'll go with the one from the first edition. You said it was May 26th. Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll go, we'll go May 24th, May 24th. May 24th. Okay. Oh, this is cute. Um, I, I don't know that anyone's going to get this. This isn't the difficult category folks. Uh, the chicken is a character at the center of a misconduct investigation revolving around what Bulgarian prime minister? Basically name the Bulgarian prime minister. <laughs> if you had said the Belarusian uh, leader, I would have had a chance on it because I just saw last week tonight today. <laughs> and John mm-hmm. Oliver did a whole piece about him. Uh, but I also wouldn't get that right because I don't remember his name. Lukashenko. Thank you. I had German Guli, uh, yeah. Rachmaninoff, or whatever the uh, My... Turkmenistan leader is. So, Bulgaria. Um, my best guess, I don't even know if this is a Bulgarian prime minister right now, is Borisov. You uh, are right. Wow. Well done, Holy Jeff. Boyko Borisov. And so he, I with the think since that was written, he's like no longer the prime minister. He's like the former prime minister. Ah, um, hold on, hold on yeah, one second. Just... Before, before you get into an explanation, is there any possibility that you could just not tell us how a chicken came into play in a misconduct <laughs> invita- <laughs> investigation? And we could just imagine ways in which uh, Borisov and a chicken got in trouble? Like... I'm much, much happier not imagining <laughs> that thing you're leading me to. Thank you. It's it's much less exciting. The chicken was just like the nickname of this one guy who ended up spilling a lot of testimony uh, around like his Borisov's corruption in government. So oh, okay. I think, yeah, it, it was just like this one person who was known as the chicken in the media, and he was the one taking the stand, basically putting the Bulgarian prime minister on trial and saying, this guy is massively corrupt, and here's all this evidence. That sounds like a like a bad 80s cop show. Borisov <laughs> and the chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Borisov v. the chicken. Uh, I'm sure the Supreme Court would wreck that ruling, too. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish I just wish it was a real chicken that, that somehow strapped like some sort of recording device under its wing. It was just oh, like you would know so you would never exciting. turn on me, Mr. Cluck Cluck. <laughs> yeah, like somehow the San Diego chicken got repatriated and you know, in some kind of like CIA nefarious affair internationally. No? Okay, cool. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> 
that is the cue to wrap things up. Uh, Jeffrey, if people wanted to find you outside this episode, uh, where would be the best place for them to look? Um, so my current events guide is on Patreon. I think it's just um, patreon.com at uh, jsegurutan. Just my, you know, J and then my last name. Um, you know, I'm also, you know, I, I've got social media accounts where, you know, some of the stuff that was talked about earlier, things like my trivia notebooking, trivia tourism stuff um, appears. And then, you know, I, I mean, those are pretty searchable by my name. I mean, my Instagram account is just jeffrey.siguratan now after, um, you know, after I had a an incident in which it was a... Uh, totally wiped out but I'm, I'm i'm slowly bringing it back and you know, you know putting back all the cool content that i had in there before <laughs> i'm glad to hear that it's coming back how about you lynn i am available if you would like to hear more of my hot takes and wild opinions <laughs> like i said i don't actually have any opinions never once held an opinion in my life uh you can find me on substack at you ought to know spelled why you ought to know like the alanis morissette song um, and the exact subset link is lynnqyu.substack.com. And you can also find my trivia company at Play Trivia LA on various platforms. Yep, it is absolutely the best trivia company in all of Louisiana, I hear. <laughs> yeah, uh, and Los Angeles, too. <laughs> oh, I guess that works that way, yeah. Uh, as for me, you can find me on social media. Uh, just search Liquid Courage. That's Courage with a K. Uh, you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash liquid underscore courage because believe it or not, somebody else had the account already. Uh, you can find me uh, out by the monkey bars after this episode is over if you want to keep talking. Sm- no, I don't know where I'm going with that one. Um, yeah, <laughs> with so, the uh, chicken. Yeah, with the chicken. Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, and Jeffy, how about you? Uh, I no longer have a weekly game for you guys to come hang out, but all my social media stuff is still the same. You can find me at Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram at RMT Trivia, as in Riddle Me This. Um, also, if you'd like to get a hold of us here at the Quadrivia Podcast, you can email us at quadriviapod at gmail.com uh, or also quadriviapod on Twitter and quadriviapod on Facebook. And our website is quadriviapodcast.com. Uh, I don't know why it's quad pod on everything else and then quadruple podcast full for the website, but you could also help support us on patreon.com slash quadrivia uh, and gain access to bonus episodes featuring the forthcoming Jeff talks about ska music to someone who I will probably have to pay to have the other half of that conversation. <laughs> no, I think James, James said he'd hang out with me and talk yeah. ska music for a no, little bit. James is good for that. Uh, so, so Jeff, can you find yodelers? Yeah, God, <laughs> music and yodeling. But I'll tell you what, why don't uh, help support the, the podcast on Patreon and then I won't do the ska podcast and then put it into the main feed. Now it's a threat, not a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Jeffy, I'll leave the choice up to you. Which of our esteemed guests should do our signature quadrivia uh, sign off mm. outro, which everybody knows and is very popular and is probably the best part of the episode? I We're think obviously going to yodel it, right? All of us yes. together. I think that, <laughs> I yep, think that Lynn, Jeffrey and us out. Yeah, I think Jeffrey and Lynn should do it in tandem at the count of three. All right, ready? Yep. One, One, two, two three. Fuck you, man. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we go? 
Uh, mine, I have a 15 year old and an eight year old, and the one is an elephant above me sometimes. It's great. Wow. Yeah, the other one is two floors above me, and we never hear from him unless uh, Amazon ah. has delivered Yu Gi Oh cards. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, that's absolutely his new thing now is spending all his money on like rare Yu-Gi-Oh cards. I'm far be it from me to knock the kid's hobby. It could be drugs, so I'll take it. Yeah, no, exactly. Yu-Gi-Oh cards, keeping him out of these streets. Yep, and keeping me from being a grandpa anytime soon. 